Sometimes you might feel trapped between the right and the left. No one listens when you say taxation is theft. But there's a place where people know harsh government brings tears. So grab some blue and Adrena Chrome. Let's make the timeline weird. Friends against government. Friends against government. Ah. They're your friends. <laughs> Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen the, the room? Best friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that probably about 12 What's times. What's that dude's name? Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, Tommy Wiseau. So he had a sitcom. Did you know this? There's also no, I didn't. He made like a sitcom, kind of. I don't know how long it lasted for. But yeah, and it's it's just as bad. And and it's sure. oddly still not very self-aware. Do, are you familiar with Neil Breen? Uh, that name rings a bell, probably because you check said that it name out. Yeah, maybe check that name out. Neil Breen, two E's in right. Breen. Check that out, everybody listening. Check that out because, uh, if you're a whimsy lover, everybody knows this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this guy will is the whimsy deliverer extraordinaire, uh, known for movies like uh, I Am Here Now, Fateful Findings, Twisted Pair. Um, he's like a guy who I, I assume made a lot of money in one industry, quit that industry and then said, I want to become a filmmaker and it shows, (laughs) it it really shows. So it's definitely check out fateful findings is a great one. He blows up the U S government. Like, oh, that's a lot of good stuff. Let's talk about something else that has to do with blowing up the U S government today. Car camp it. Um, I stumbled upon this stumbled upon something that I not it's a really unremarkable story but it leads to some really odd places so I'm gonna well, let's let's first let's first start off with the fact that we've been like spitballing about what we want to do today you me and Aaron That's texting right. back and forth today and uh and we had we, you know we had a couple of good ideas but then you just blasted into the chat with yeah. like all right all <clears throat> you know heads down seven up we're doing what I want to do and uh, and so that makes me very excited because it, yeah you know when I'm when I and listen I got 4,600 words here, so I'm ready oh, to go. Lordy. <laughs> now, I didn't write a single one of these words. These are all copy-pasted from different news articles to put a story together. This is all a real story, but <clears throat> I didn't want to write it. So, let's see. <coughs> Steve Bannon, <clears throat> your favorite guy. Yeah. Or probably one of several favorite guys. So, what happened to Steve Bannon? You know him. Chief White House strategist was arrested Thursday morning, charged uh, with, I think it was defrauding donors in a crowdfunding campaign Uh that promised to construct the border wall. Uh, And what was so funny about that wasn't that he was arrested, although that is pretty funny. It was who he was arrested by. Right, Uh, that was the comical part. The U.S. Postal Inspection Service agents that arrived on the yacht off the coast of Westbrook, Connecticut, according to NBC. Charges were filed. He was taken in. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York charged him. Uh, He has pled guilty, uh, sorry, (laughs) not guilty on all charges, uh, and was released on a $5 million bond secured with $1.75 million in assets. Now, I asked you that question before about whether or not civil asset forfeiture occurs before or after conviction beforehand. Keep that in the back of your mind, the fact that civil assets, that's beforehand, just so you know. That, that will as far come, as I know. That you, I, that's as far as Well, I let's know. create that reality for ourselves okay. for the sake of a joke that's coming later, and it will really okay. be sweet. <clears throat> so the charges are related to a GoFundMe campaign that was started in 2018 that went viral among conservatives, and it raised $25 million. It was started not by Bannon, but it was started by a guy named Brian Colfage. Uh, he's a veteran. Uh, Bannon gets involved later. <clears throat> Let's talk about the GoFundMe. Hashtag GoFundTheWall. The GoFundMe uh, was uh, it, it promised to help privately fund Donald Trump's uh, wall, uh, the one that was going to span the U.S.-Mexico border. Which uh, So they managed to collect $25 million, and the guy behind it, Brian Colfage, who's a rising conservative media star, uh, 
might have had another goal in mind. So during his border wall campaign, he claims to have gathered 3.5 million email addresses, which are essential to his broader operation, a wide-ranging, multi-pronged effort to collect a list of Trump supporters who have been proven to be a source of donation before. So according to former employees and public records, uh, Cole Phage has repeatedly created GoFundMe campaigns and published inflammatory fake news articles, pushes them from websites that he, uh, that he hides behind shell corporations, false identities, all in part of harvesting these email campaigns. So mm-hmm. w- why? Well, the addresses are used to push people to his websites and he sells his coffee brand off okay. of that. Or he stockpiles it for future conservative campaigns. So a spokesperson for the GoFundMe told NBC News that all the donations were going to be refunded because Colfage, at the last minute, changed the language of the campaign mid-campaign where he erased an earlier pledge that said, quote, he was going to refund every single penny if the $1 billion goal was not met. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Ballsy move. I so like here's the okay. scheme. Here's the scheme. Who's Brian Colfage? Well, his email harvesting previously relied on two ultra-conservative websites, Freedom Daily and Right Wing News. Freedom Daily was part of a network of websites that operated under the umbrella Liberty Alliance, which is a Christian online media empire, and it hosts and serves advertising on a tremendous number of right wing's loudest, most partisan websites, including things like Breitbart, Drudge, blah, blah, and blah. Uh, so, but here's a detour. So in early May, 2017, that blog freedom daily posts a story with a misleading headline that reports that in Rochester, Minnesota, police had raided an olive garden restaurant where quote, Obama's Muslim refugees were only to make a quote, disturbing find inside the olive garden. This is what the article says. The Olive Garden is arguably one of America's most beloved restaurant chains for their delicious dishes and comfortable family environment. However, when Obama's Muslim refugees take one of these eateries over, it becomes the last place you'll ever want to be caught dining and probably will make you hate pasta for the rest of your life. This is especially the case at one popular location that became customers' worst nightmares after cops raided it and made a disturbing finding inside. Although there were three Muslim men who participated in the brutal lunch hour exchange of gunfire, one or two have been charged uh, and one is still on the loose. The third got away and is likely being harbored by fellow refugees until the urge to kill strikes again, which is only a matter of time. That's what the news article read. Rochester Police Captain John Sherwin told... The article writers that I took this from by the phone that authorities never raided an Olive Garden restaurant. Instead, they arrested two men, Abdi Abukar and Idris Haji Muhammad, 21 and 22, who are suspected of shooting at a third person while running through the parking lot shared by an Olive Garden in Rochester. Police believe the chase started at an apartment complex. He said, the article's fake, the information is not coming from local law enforcement, or any information that has been given out regarding this case. There are assumptions being made about many things based on names of suspects. We did not raid the Olive Garden. However, it is lunchtime, and I'm thinking about getting some breadsticks now. He said that's what the that was what the commissioner said. So no information regarding the age of origin of the two suspects has been released to the public, but local news media outlets say that both men are originally from Rochester. Uh, authorities have little information on the person uh, who is uh, still uh, on the loose, who was suspected of being fired upon, and they don't believe that he is being harbored by fellow refugees. Further, police did not raid the Olive Garden, as it says, but that it occurred near an Olive Garden. Freedom Daily shut down on February 2018, the same month that the site was sued for publishing another falsely identifying article of the driver of the car that killed a protester during the Unite the Right rally at Charlottesville. While several other defendants have paid settlements to the incorrectly identified person, lawyers for the plaintiff told NBC News that they were still trying to find Freedom Daily's owner to enforce a default entry against the site. Freedom Daily's owner failed to respond to the lawsuit. Colfage tells NBC News that he has simply managed the funds and the administration 
for Freedom Daily. Uh, he said that the operation's true owner lives in another country and is unwilling to talk about the website. <laughs> uh, Cole Fage and his editor-in-chief, the conservative blogger Jeff Rainworth, moved on to a new site, Right Wing News. Cole Fage already brought... Colfage bought the already popular and verified Facebook page from conservative commentator John Hawkins, who previously operated a right-wing news site with a different name, address. Uh, according to Colfage, uh, this is what, according to Colfage's employees and Hawkins', Hawkins public records say. So, as his business is growing, again, Colfage claims he spent $300,000 on advertisements and attracted 3.2 million followers. Facebook removed these pages associated with Colfage's websites in October as part of a crackdown on what they called inauthentic behavior. So after his Facebook ban, Colfage starts another GoFundMe imploring people to donate to help him, quote, stop social media censorship. As the donations poured in, he raises $73,000 from the campaign and an unclosed amount via a landing page he sets up to receive donations directly. He urges uh, supporters to sign his petition on the side. Joe Trippi, who is, first of all, a great name, widely credited yeah. with pioneering campaign email lists on the former New Hampshire Governor Howard Dean's presidential campaign in 04. Howard Dean. Yeah. Said that, quote, GoFundTheWall's tactics mirror email campaigning projects he's seen from both parties. He called 3.2 million signatures collected in less than a month a really, really big number, even by current standards. Quote, whether it was Howard Dean or Rand Paul or John McCain, there's a pretty short period between 03 and 2010 where this stuff tended to be pretty organic and idealistic, Trippy said. Quote, they legitimately cared about issues. We looked at it as if they were really building a new democracy thing. Colfage's ties to Liberty Alliance could prove useful in monetizing his email list. During the rise of the Tea Party, Liberty Alliance's owner, Brandon Valerani, perfected the art of publishing conservative content alongside merchandise, collecting one of politics' most valuable email lists. This is from a 2017 article. Sometimes the source is a garden variety, grassroots thing, just like a patriotic cowboy who thought up a catchy ditty on a truck ride home from work one day, plucks it out his guitar and was persuaded by his friends to make a low-budget video, then sat back agog as YouTube links went viral. That's the story of Ed Montana and his hit, Obama Nation. Perhaps, more often, greater strategy and calculation is involved. A good deal of, quote, conservative revolution is produced by Patriot Depot TM, a division of discount book distributors, a Georgia company founded in 07 by Brandon Valerani, who has an MB oh, yeah. in graphic design and... His chief operating officer, Jay Taylor, has another MB in computer engineering. Patriot Depot, which advertises, quote, supplies for the conservative revolution, now has nine employees in the White House, West Virginia, mostly packing and shipping books, DVDs, bumper stickers, and T-shirts with the original messages like, I'll keep my guns, freedom, and money. You can keep the change. Taylor has said the company has sold 100,000 Keep the Change bumper stickers. Jesus. It's getting crazy. Have you crazy. ever heard something so absurd as conservative revolution? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it's, it's the greatest marketing ploy of all time. So almost every day. Actually, let me take a sip. Yep. What do you say? What do you say? A Kool-Aid, yeah, what are we actually. All Kool-Aid. Good. I have to be sober. Well, I, I have to be sober for this. Good. Yeah, I have to be sober for this. Uh, almost every day, Patriot Depot sends more than a, th a hundred thousand individuals emails with the original content, such as I can't believe I'm about to say this. Say it. <sighs> the Ten Commandments, according to Obama. <laughs> The first of which is, this is what they sell, or this is what they put in an email once. Thou shalt have no God in America except for me. We are no longer a Christian nation, and after all, I am the chosen one. And in parentheses it says, and like God, I do not have a birth certificate. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. Oh, that's so good. Uh, <laughs> 
We hope, we quote, we hope they'll forward the emails on, Taylor said. He acknowledges that such people serve as unwitting salespeople in a multi-tiered marketing system uh, like Anways. (laughs) He is (laughs) reluctant to divulge the resulting annual sales other than between one and ten million dollars. An educated guess is about three point five million. Quote, this is what he says. Initially, it was a business opportunity. Then we saw it as an opportunity to get a message out. The company recently launched Patriot Update, a website complete with news, commentary, and editorial cartoons. Uh, they published an article. Uh, actually, it's a book. Oh, Lord. Born to Lie, From the Birth Certificate to Healthcare. Taylor anticipates sales of 10,000. Quote, personally, I think he was born in Hawaii. Taylor said about President Obama. He believes Obama ought release his long-form birth certificate, however. That, isn't this guy the biggest piece of shit on the planet? (laughs) That's incredible. Might as well lean into it, though. Uh, Car, you got a little canniness in your mic there. Did your mic switch over? Did you push it back? Oh, I think it might have, because you got a little video going on Everybody's having audio problems. I see a lot of video going on there. I'm going to keep reading. Let's see if we can fix it, because this this is... Can I promise you it's going to get about ten times crazier? Yeah, fuck yeah. The selling of email lists in political circles has become standard practice. As a residential candidate, Hillary Clinton turned over her email list of about 10 million people to the DNC in April of 2017. After. Uh, The list was valued by by the FEC at $3.5 million. Trump's list of 20 million supporters is reportedly for sale. I don't know if it's been sold since then. It might still be up. Problems have arisen when the lists are harvested by more freewheeling sources within Liberty Alliance. Three Republicans who rented from an email list the far-right news site Big League Politics, which is another Liberty Alliance site, came under fire last year. Devin Nunes, Steve Scalise, and Ted Cruz all paid for the ability to reach Big League Politics readers who had signed up for updates through the site. But Cruz and Scalise, yeah, not, Not yes, yes, Ted, yes, Ted, but, but ease your troubles, Aaron, because both Cruz and Scalise, doesn't say anything about Nunes, both ceased using big league politics as emails after one of the site's writers was tied to a secret message board driving harassment campaigns based on fringe right-wing conspiracy theories from QAnon. But what, I don't see the problem. <laughs> but, yeah. w- but what theory was it? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. In January, Andrew Richmond, a co-founder of the Toronto-based chain of ice cream shops called Sweet Jesus, started receiving strange online comments and phone calls. Conspiracy theorists littered the Instagram and Facebook accounts of Sweet Jesus with accusations and menacing comments, pointing to the chain's name, brand iconography, and advertising featuring children. They posted the shop's advertisements to their own social media accounts and tagged them, hashtag pedogate. Others took the campaign offline, calling the company shops and threatening employees. This is what one employee said. People were really saying we were pedophiles and Illuminati. Richmond actually said, I wish we were part of the Illuminati. Don't they run the world? I'm just selling ice cream. Sweet Sweet Jesus isn't the only business that's been the target of an online conspiracy theory. Voodoo Donut, a popular chain based in Portland, Oregon, has received similar calls. I've I've been there. (laughs) How could they? You bastards. The harassment comes from a group of fervent online conspiracy theorists who've been targeting private businesses and individuals with harassment campaigns and accusations being involved with child sex trafficking rings. Sparked by a video posted by a popular YouTube conspiracy channel, the group, whose members are largely followers of the QAnon conspiracy theory, has flooded Voodoo's Instagram and Facebook posts and left Yelp reviews accusing the owners of child sex trafficking. Last week... I don't know when that was in relation to this article. The chain's original Portland outpost received more calls from conspiracy theorists than customers ordering donuts. Montahan, another employee, said. Great name. The group is fueled in part by a website called Big League Politics, a far-right media outlet that often publishes conspiracy content and has been used... Yes? Are you saying that I've contributed to child sex trafficking? Oh, yes, you have. 
Oh yes, oh, you have. Yeah, that's that's not news. Well, hold on. You were in the yeah. navy. Of course you have. Yeah, yeah. This isn't yeah, news. Yeah. <laughs> True. So some uh, of the website's stories, Big League Politics, appeared to be sourced from a secret message board which was created by a Big League's politics staffer in which members concoct elaborate pedophilia-based conspiracy theories in hopes that they will be published to a wider audience. The baseless accusations are being Wait, lodged... Whiter or wider? Wider, but mm, probably uh, both. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, just checking. The baseless accusations are being lobbed daily by self-described patriot researchers. Their harassment of Voodoo Donut and Sweet Jesus are just part of a larger war waged on Twitter and in private groups on Facebook and Discord, a gaming-focused online chat program. Man, you can tell this is from 2018. Against the... Politicians, celebrities, and businesses they claim are part of a global conspiracy to harm children. Run by Breitbart News reporter Patrick Howley, who often writes the website's most conspiracy-oriented content, Big League Politics has amassed a readership that prominent Republicans and their supporters have increasingly found attractive. Among the group's GOP politicians that have used the website include... House Majority Whip, Steve Scalise, Rep. Devin Nunes, and Senator Ted Cruz. Big League Politics writer Haley Kennington, who posts several articles per day on the site, appears to source some of her stories from a secret message board she created in July dubbed Pedo Takedown Crew, which was recently discovered by NBC News. A staff writer for Big League Politics since May... Kennington often covers general pro-Trump news items, but has increasingly focused on a more specific beat, writing stories about what she calls pedophilia-related social media posts from liberal-leaning celebrities. And when asked about Kennington's pedo takedown group, Howley, the editor-in-chief of Big Big League Politics, who, again, former Breitbart guy, called the message board a research operation. But he hasn't heard about the group until after uh, NBC News asked about it. <laughs> I think you are attacking a research community that I haven't heard about to defend the donut shop. Have you been to the donut shop, Howley said? Are you associated with Voodoo Donut in some way, he asked. I have. <laughs> <laughs> after an NBC News inquiry into the channel, Kennington kicked out half her members. While it was unclear whether the channel is still operating as of Monday, whenever that was, the discussions remain active and various users posted links and maps associated with Voodoo Donuts Portland location. But I digress. Let's get back to Bannon. (laughs) Nearly two years into the Trump administration, there was relatively little progress on Trump's central campaign promise, building a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. And some of his supporters were frustrated as they wondered why it couldn't happen. So in 2018, in December, Brian Colfage, an Iraq veteran and triple amputee, came up with an unusual idea. He set up a GoFundMe page asking Trump supporters to contribute money to get the wall built themselves. The campaign, which pledged that 100% of donations would be given to the federal government for the wall, went massively viral on the right. $20 million in pledge poured in, ending up capping off at about 25 that's a lot of money. <clears throat> a lot of fucking money in less in like uh, just a few months. But the GoFundMe had some concerns about all this. How exactly was Colfage going to give all this money to the government? How would he be make sure the government would use it for wall building? So GoFundMe told Colfage he needed to find a credible nonprofit organization to accept the money. Otherwise, it would all be sent back to donors. So this thing has gotten pretty big and there's a lot of money at stake. And so Colfage asked for help. Enter Steve Bannon. The former head of Breitbart News, and now you can see exactly how these two began to know one another. Bannon had been Trump's campaign CEO in 2016 and served as a White House staffer and advisor in 2017. But, you know, he eventually exited the administration on bad terms, which only got worse after he was a major source for a sharply critical book about the president. But still, Bannon was very pro-wall. Wait, his- which, book, wait, which book was that? I don't know. It didn't say in the in the thing. Look it up. Look I feel up. like I remember that scandal. He had a few. Look up Bannon News Source. Yeah, I'll look it up. Anti-Trump. Is my microphone sound yeah, better? Yeah, yeah like he sounds a lot Trump better. Okay. Not being racist enough. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, 
Bannon, as you let me know when you find that car, what the book yeah. could have, was, the book was. So anyway, Bannon's pro wall credentials are pretty much unimpeachable, right? That's what he, that was the thing he told Trump to do. And so what Bannon knew he had to do was enter the nonprofit space. So working with a venture capitalist named Andrew Badalato, Bannon quickly takes significant control of Colfage's GoFundMe campaign. Fire uh, and fury. That's ex- oh Michael Wolf, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. there you go. Wow, that was the first tr- pro tr- uh, anti-Trump book, actually. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. That was that was that was really early on. So anyway, the prosecutors are claiming uh, the GoFundMe campaign, uh, including its Bannon takes ca- uh, control of its finances, its messaging, its donor outreach, and general operations. So under a new plan that they hatch, the money raised would no longer be given to the government. It was going to be given to a new nonprofit group called We the People Build the Wall, which would pursue a private construction of a border wall. So because of these changes, GoFundMe requires them to contact the initial donors again and get them to confirm that they wanted their donations to be used for this. And while making this outreach, they promised donations, or, or rather donors, that 100% of the funds raised would be used to build a wall and not even a penny would go to pay Colfage. I'm taking nothing. Zero, he says in a social media post. He adds the board won't see any of that money and describes the group as a volunteer organization. So by late 2019, they had successfully, successfully raised $25 million. But prosecutors uh, assert that these promises that Colfage uh, would, he wouldn't be able to keep them and that they were fraudulent. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, they discover, were siphoned out of We Build the Wall for personal use and benefit of Colfage, Bannon, and Badalato, and Colfage's associate, oh, yeah. Timothy Shea. These payments, they assert, were often made outside of the group and subsequently redirected to Colfage. Colfage himself received more than $350,000 in donor funds, which he then used for, quote, home renovations payment towards a boat, a luxury SUV, a golf cart, jewelry, cosmetic surgery for his wife, personal tax payments, and credit card debt, prosecutors allege. As well as should be. As well as should be, absolutely. So let's get back to Bannon a little bit more. It may come as a shock that Bannon, who's often described as a grifter, was caught up allegedly uh, in a campaign to defraud donors uh, uh, involving crowdfunding that promised to build that wall. Big surprise. Wow. Yeah. But it was a surprise to more people that the USPS, the same agency that President Donald Trump tried to cripple ahead of an expected surge, uh, carried out an arrest oh. on a $28 million mega yacht called Lady May off the coast of Connecticut Thursday morning. As you can tell, we're back in the present. In a tweet from, well, no, the coast of Connecticut, the coast of, it wasn't, wasn't in Connecticut. Yeah, it could be anybody. Even more, it's even more upper crust than Connecticut itself. (laughs) Could be, yeah, the coast of Connecticut. Connecticut's not upper crust. It's uh, a whole of New England. uh, Off air, I could tell you uh, (laughs) something to the contrary. Um, In a tweet by Sawyer Hackett, a staffer for Julian Castro, I really like this. Uh, the facts of the matter were laid bare. This was his tweet. The Postal Service has police? That's really pushing the envelope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good job, Sawyer. Even though you're probably a dumb lib, I really appreciate the whimsy. Yeah. <laughs> the yacht. Let's talk about the yacht. Everybody wants to know about the yacht, right? So federal agents arrest Steve Bannon, President Trump's former advisor, on a 150-foot yacht. Thursday, after boarding it with the help of a crew dispatched from the Coast Guard station, New London. Bannon and three others were charged with defrauding hundreds of thousands of dollars from donors uh, in a fundraising campaign that was used to build that wall. Actually, go build that wall. That's our new one, by the way, Carl. That wall. <laughs> You're going to build that wall. That wall. That wall. <laughs> that wall. <laughs> now, this is where it gets tremendously strange. According to news reports, the yacht, which accounts... For a value ranging from $28 million to $35 million is owned by Guo Gui, a Chinese billionaire wanted for criminal charges in China. Lady May has been touted as the world's most sophisticated super yacht and is currently on sale for $28 million. The Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday that it belongs to a man named 
Guo Wenggui, an exiled Chinese businessman. A listing from Morin Yacht and Ship calls Lady May <clears throat> innovative in every sense of the word and boasts that it won a succession of super yacht awards in 2015. Hey, Boat- can I just interject here? Yes. Connecticut is number two in the country for number of millionaires. Yeah, I'm, 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 my story afterwards will shock you. That's why I'm, I can't tell it on air. This is why we need it a Patreon. It blows my mind. We need, dude, this I, is, oh, yeah, yeah, that was dude, always my impression. That's that where all the, like the upper crust. That's where all the New Yorkers like live. live yeah, that's oh, where yeah. all the New Yorkers live. Literally, that's where all the, the rich New Yorkers live in Connecticut. Get the hell off our podcast, Aaron. <laughs> Here we go. Boat International reports in 2015 that Neville Crichton, a businessman and yacht racer originally from New Zealand, conceived of the Lady May as a slightly bigger version of another yacht named Como. But Crichton said, quote, It was the height of the global financial crisis, and even though Australia came through that pretty well, I just wasn't excited. Ugh. Bannon has worked for Guo Wenggui, who sometimes goes by the name Miles Kwok, since what? shortly after his ouster from the White House three years ago. Guo, a reported billionaire, is one of China's most wanted fugitives. Chinese wow. authorities have charged him with bribery, fraud, and money laundering, similar to the fraud and money laundering charges Bannon now faces. He denies those allegations, saying that they're criticism from the Chinese government. Guo has helped bankroll Bannon's efforts to attack China and paid Bannon $1 million for work between 2018 and 2019, as Axios what, reported. What was Bannon doing to attack China? Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, my God. But those Whispering efforts China. worse yeah. than that. It's a lot worse than that. But those efforts are reportedly the subject of investigation separate from the probe that, you know, is related to Bannon's current indictment. He was training an under 18 ping pong league that would mature <laughs> in 10 years to, to fucking overtake the world. <laughs> Literally, Carr, you're not that far off. Oh, God. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday that the FBI, the Security and Exchange Commission, and the New York State Attorney General's Office are investigating whether a media company formed by Bannon and Guo, GTV Media, violates security laws and bilked investors. A mysterious fleet of propeller planes was spotted above what? New York City on Wednesday, which congratulated, quote, the federal state of New China. Oh, my Lord. Puzzled what? and exasperated, New Yorkers spotted the banners from Manhattan flying over the Hudson and down over Red Hook, Brooklyn. Quote, I officially... Where is New so where, like, Wait for it. Just, I promise China? you, all of these questions are going to be answered. <laughs> all right, all right. I officially have no idea what the fuck is happening anymore, one person tweeted with an image of the planes over New York Harbor. The banners appear to be a bizarre stunt against the Chinese Communist Party launched by Steve Bannon and a fugitive <laughs> Chinese billionaire who together on the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre, declared the Chinese government illegitimate. On the 3rd of June of 2020, Guo and Steve Bannon participated in declaring a new federal state of China that would overthrow the Chinese government. On, on Guo's website, G News, it reads... On the 4th of June, 2020, at 7.37 in the evening, the founder of the whistleblower movement, Miles Kwok, who is also commonly known as Miles Guo or Guo Wenggui, inaugurates the founding of the new federal state of China on his boat, Lady May 2, moored in front of the Statue of Liberty with five aircrafts flying with the NFSC federal flag over New York Harbor in Manhattan, New York. Under the new, under the rule of law, this is still the website, the citizens of the NFSC who actively exercise their citizenship, citizenship while at the same time being permanently located or dispersed in many places around the world, a country in permanent diaspora, shall follow the righteous path. <laughs> 
a people-oriented socio-political thought that gives absolute emphasis on the dignity, power, and freedom of all citizens as the beginning and end of a peaceful and prosperous statehood. Miles explains that it is all about giving respect to the human person. People get respect when the people have the power, and power comes from both material and spiritual sources. In other words, socio-political power emanates from people who, on the one hand, have privacy rights over their wealth and properties, and on the other hand, have free rights over their thoughts, words, and beliefs. With this statehood in mind, with this statehood in mind, all citizens shall put an end to the centralized rule of the Communist Party of China. But I digress. But I digress. Look, out of all the diasporas that exist, and there are plenty of, like, just meme-worthy bad ones, <laughs> this has to be the worst. <laughs> there are a lot of diasporas out there. This is the worst one I've ever heard it's gotta of. It's got to be I've one of the worst. Some pretty bad ones. <laughs> this sounds like, a, this sounds like a, a position for us as a podcast. That That's like a, 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 a list that we should come up with is the worst diasporas. <laughs> In the world. Oh no, that's going to be a problem. All right, I digress. Let's talk about the cops again. Yes. The boys in blue. The boys in blue. Well, actually, before that, I need to set something up. There is a audio clip you're going to have to listen to. It is a little bit interesting. Uh, I'm sure you heard a little bit of uh, John Oliver's voice there, but... uh, no, I didn't. We're on Google Hangout, so I don't know if we're going to be able to hear it. Oh, I have to set it up the other way then. Okay, it should work. All right. That's right. <clears throat> Let's see if this goes. These aren't your everyday mail carriers, obviously. These are cops. They're part and parcel of an elite polit- uh, police unit known as the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, or for short, the USPIS, which has been fighting crime since the mail fraud statute was enacted in 1872. There Can are I, about... Yes, go ahead. I So, about three years ago, I was at a buddy's bachelor party. Okay. And uh, we were super hungover on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were at an Airbnb, and all they had was network television, you know, uh, broadcast television. Okay. And, which is fine. That's what I have. And uh, and we had CBS on, okay. and we... We were in a in a mental state where we couldn't even really get up to go get the controller. Okay. To, to the remote. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Oh, wait, a show wait, came wait, on. wait, 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 please wait, because I know what you're about to say. Okay. I know what you're about to say. Okay. And it's actually two sentences from now. <laughs> there okay. are about oh my God, 1,200 no way, no such way. postal inspectors who carry weapons, make arrests, execute yeah. federal search warrants, and serve subpoenas. They even have an ins- they even have inspired a TB a CBS yes, series dude. called The Inspectors. <laughs> the Inspectors, it's insane. Yes. I don't even know the plot. I'll get it's to it. Fucking I'll get insane. to it. I have I mean, the trailer. <laughs> dude, no, I've been watching it since then. No I way. <laughs> I can't stop watching it because I can't figure out the fucking plot and it bothers me. Well, maybe so maybe we can take Sunday, a look at the every big- Sunday. I, no I, way. I watch The Inspectors on CBS and it comes on at like 10 a.m. my time. No and way. I try to fucking figure out the plot of this thing. The main character's in a wheelchair, but like he's also in high school. I'm, yes, I'm so Dude, glad. It's, it's, oh it, my it God. Fucking fucks with me. Man. I am so glad because Wait, I'm glad you know about this. I'm gonna, it's, it's on, on CBS. CBS. It's on CBS. I'm oh, so glad you're familiar with this because dude, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with what this. I learned I, about the show is going to piss you off to no end. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. The show already pissed me off because I right. can't figure it out. So here we go. Plot. I don't understand what it's about. Let's I can't stop watching it. Let's step back for a moment just to talk about the cops again. All agents within the USPIS have to complete a 16-week training program that covers firearms, physical fitness, and defense tactics. In 2019, they made 5,759 arrests and 4,995 convictions related to postal crimes, according to the USPS. Quote, they say... they made how many arrests? 5,759 with 4,995 convictions. Is that kind of insane? It means they're efficient. I mean, yeah, I mean dude, find government efficiency like that. Well, I guess it literally is anything illegal sent through the mail. That's their yeah. job, first and foremost, right? I guess. Weird. 
So they often team up with other federal, state, and local authorities to investigate mail theft, fraud, identity theft, narcotics cases, opioid investigations, lottery scams, and more. Investigations sometimes span years. And in Bannon's case, they collaborated with Audrey Strauss, the acting U.S. Attorney General uh, for the Southern District of New York. It's not immediately clear why the USPIS got involved, since neither of the charges levied against Bannon, conspiracy to commit money laundering or wire fraud, appeared to be directly related to the mail, and the USPIS declined to comment about their investigation of Bannon. So I have the... I have John Oliver talking about it, okay? And and it, I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I am going to, at the end of this, play for you some clips from the show. <laughs> so, uh, what's the big message here? The post office wastes a lot of money, probably. How do we know that? Well, I'll tell you. So, uh, a teddy bear arrives in the mail, and inspectors immediately suspect foul play. They open the package, and they see that the bear has been split open and stitched back up. So they look into it, inside of its little fluffy belly, and they take out drugs. Post officials take the package to its destination and hope to catch the drug dealer red-handed. But this is not a real narcotics case. It's an episode from the show The Inspectors, a TV yep. crime drama paid for by the U.S. Postal Service's Investig- uh, Investigation and Inspection Division. Literally the, remember that episode. The, U- <laughs> the U.S. Postal Investigation Service has do- doled out more than $16 million since 2014 to a television entertainment firm to produce and air the show, which is aimed at educating teenagers and their parents about mail fraud, consumer scams, and similar crimes. The agency says the TV program, which aired Saturday mornings on CBS, has been a big success. It's paid for with money from the Postal Service's asset for and consumer fraud awareness fund not right. related not Dude, <laughs> we have to do an episode on this we what? have to do an episode on literally post capitalism it literally is it literally is post capitalism we have to do an episode on this because this is we'll something do it. that i have i've like kind of just slipped my mind to bring up because we'll this it. is like a you remember like two years ago when we did the review of come to live yeah this this show <laughs> this show same so same psyche insane. same psychology <laughs> it's the same shit like i it's like it fucks with you you're like is this <laughs> real like what am i fucking watching you'll see like, you'll see. i got clips and, and i, I tune clips. in every time every time if i'm if i'm lounging on the couch on a saturday morning i'm watching Inspector. rolling a doobie <laughs> yeah yeah dude that's the only mental state you can be in to actually like absorb this i love it um okay so what else do we know about it well First of all, remember I told you to remember the fact that Steve Bannon had $2 million worth of assets taken from him <laughs> by, by the Postal Service. So it's going to, it's going to fund this TV show, <laughs> which God, I think is incredible. Yeah. And that was my attempt to tie that back this to is, the beginning. This is, this is my, my life is like cascading in on itself right now. <laughs> A self-funded government agency, the USPS has suffered from declining revenue since stamps, uh, from in stamp sales and other services as more consumers use email and the internet to communicate. You would think the USPS would get on board with this, but they don't. Claire McCaskill has been one among many in Congress pushing for a postal bill uh, that would help the agency save money without slashing services. In response to USA Today's questions, the Postal Investigation Service contacted with Litton Entertainment in 2014 to, quote, develop, write, and produce and air a consumer awareness show that delivers crime prevention messages to target audiences between 13 and 16 years old and their parents. They're spending $16 million on a show that only airs on Saturday mornings and is meant to go for ages 13 to 16 and their parents, by the way. Uh, the show stars Jessica Lundy as the lead postal investigator and Brett Green as her teenage son who interns at a postal inspections crime lab. Oh, he's an intern. (laughs) Asked about its its effectiveness, the Postal Inspection Service says it uses the Nielsen rating as a way to monitor success. According to these ratings, each episode of The Inspectors, including reruns, consistently reaches an audience of over 1 million viewers. You're in there, Carr. I'm in there. I'm in there. I'm in that that data point. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to be here's the thing here's the thing with the inspectors is that like it's an overtly political show right like like from our perspective from from non-normie world right it's an overtly political propaganda show really but 
Well, I would think, you know, it's all about the postal service and like whatever, how important sure. it is. I, you know, but it's not like, um, it's not like, uh, Captain Planet or something like that yeah. where it's just beating climate change into your head. Right. Mm. Like, and it's also not like a, a drama, like a 30 minute like drama a, show. Like a NCIS. Where, yeah. It's not like that either. Yeah. It straddles the border. And so then it's neither. And so oh, God. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know which brain to use. I don't know whether to use normie brain or to use like, like, like yeah, nut right. job brain. No, I get it. And then I, and I don't know, I just don't know how to judge it. It's like the most in like it drives, the show drives <laughs> me crazy, but I can't stop watching it. Yeah. <sighs> Drew Pusateri, who is a spokesperson for Claire McCaskill, said the senator hasn't reached any Drew conclusions. Pusateri? Drew Pusateri? Drew Pusateri, sen- uh, spokesman for Claire McCaskill. That guy's out of here. <laughs> he, well, he said that the uh, senator hasn't reached any conclusions about the show's merits. <laughs> well, dude, let me tell you, I still haven't. I've been watching it for three fucking years. I still haven't reached any conclusions. Well, this either. is what he said, and it sounds a lot like what you're saying. We're continuing to look at the issue and are seeking additional information from the USPS. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, that's, that's all you can do. It's all you can do. It's the only thing that you can do. Steve Ellis, vice president for Taxpayers for Common Sense, a fiscal watchdog group, said funding a TV crime drama seems like a questionable and expensive media strategy. <laughs> Where is it? Dude, it is absolutely insane. All right, let me play you some sound effects. Let me know if you can hear John Oliver. Just say yes when you hear his voice. Because right. did you know? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to... John is going to do a yep. little bit for you. I'm going to take it back, and then I'm going to play a few clips. Because did you know that since 2015, the Postal Service has had its own television show? It's on Saturday mornings, and it's called The Inspectors. And while it airs on CBS, its budget is funded by the government. And the show is pretty much what you would expect if a bunch of civil servants from the Postal Service had their own show. I'm Preston Wainwright, and this is my mom, Amanda. She's a United States Postal Inspector, which means she solves any crime that uses the mail. My dad was an inspector, too, one of the best, until I lost him and the use of my legs in a car accident. Yes, yeah, dude, dude, what? it is, it is yeah. such a mindfuck. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so insane. Oh my God. It's a real mindfuck. And I, I love this. The inspectors, dude. The you have to look it up. Everybody listening, look up the inspectors like logo. It looks like the Avengers. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So so that's funny, man. Because so I've been my buddy's bachelor party was in 2016. So I've literally been watching the show essentially on and off wow. since, since inception. Four near, years. A year, a year after. Four years he's been watching it. All right, let's get another clip. Inspectors. <clears throat> that doesn't seem to quite fit. I want to see my lawyer. I know my rights and I will not be intimidated by you people. Who are you? Anyway, the FBI? I told you we're postal inspectors. <laughs> We've got a 98% conviction rate. We're about to raise it to 99. Okay. All right. And, and dude, <laughs> I got one more. Watch, Go it, ahead. watch it once. I'm just telling you with, with, with your eye on whimsy, watch it. <laughs> yeah, once, yeah, of course. And you will not be able to stop watching it because it's so <laughs> insane. You have to be hammered in order to. Yeah, you have to be sure. hammered or like super high. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, let me give you an example because now, Car, I know what you're talking about. This, this is a, like 35 seconds long, this clip. This is where I was like, There's, this show is insane. Whimsy yeah. is exactly the thing. So here, listen to this. this? Hey, babe. Hey. Hey, did you get the mail today? I did. And once again, no suspicious <laughs> or fraudulent packages in it. Wow. Man, it's a good thing we have a U.S. Postal Inspection Service. Otherwise, I could be killed by a mail bomb one day. <laughs> be terrible if that happened. Yeah. Yeah, but luckily it won't. A mail bomb is definitely not how I die one day. I mean, even if you did die a premature death, I doubt it would be from a mail bomb. Yeah. Definitely not. No, um, I'm gonna live forever. I'm a fucking invincible god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. Daddy, I'm a fucking invincible god on Saturday mornings. Supposed to be marketed no, between I, the I ages of 13 and 16. That I don't know if that's real or not, but that's, that's, so good. that's the tempo of the show. I'm <laughs> you know what? You, I probably will be killed by a male bomb, so to be good. honest. Maybe. Now, I'm, maybe, I, it's gonna, maybe it's gonna be one from one of us. I'm like... Six, yeah, 60% sure. So I've been attacking our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> it's definitely uh, from one of us or our listeners for sure. I bet. I, no, man. I, I that, bet that's that show, it. That show is a fucking trip, dude. Yeah. I mean, it is. You it, just watch it. Looks it looks insane. Like, what am I watching? It looks insane. It looks like it it's is. completely out 
of control. And I don't even understand why the main character is crippled. Like, I mean, it doesn't make any doesn't add, subtract. Hey, you know what? You know what it does, Carl? It normalizes. They never use it for anything substantive in the plot. Carl Campbell, you know what? It normalizes it. That's what it does. Yeah. You know what? The fact that he doesn't let his legs or lack thereof get in the way of his being a male inspector is. The USPS is in solidarity with. uh... The Crips. All of your people right here. <clears throat> so, on, uh, look, that's all I have. On this note, I will leave you with the words long associated with the Postal Service and a humble postal worker. Emblazoned on an uh, inscription in New York City's General Post Office building is a placard from a passage from the Histories, the magnum opus of Herodotus, which discusses the courier services of the ancient Persian Empire. <laughs> It is said that as many days as there are in the whole journey, so many are the men and horses that stand along the road, each horse and man at the interval of the day's journey. And these are stayed neither by snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor darkness from accomplishing their appointed course with all speed. Shout out to you, Postal Service. Rip in peace. You know what? That is humble. <laughs> Man, there's nothing else to describe that but humble. <laughs> I'm feeling humble. So there you go, guys. Uh, I'm not. I there you go. <laughs> the Postal Service episode you never think you you never thought you wanted. Starts with Bannon, Chinese billionaires, yachts, uh, fake news, all interconnected. Think rhizomatically. Car, how many hands are on this wheel? Two. Do we have anything else? <laughs> if you're ever wondering why I've gone full communist, all right. Uh, this, what? this is it. This is it. <laughs> this is the one that made you go full this, communist. I think we got. I think we got two hands on the wheelchair for this one. That's we have. Yeah, I was gonna say we have to have two yeah, hands. Two hands on- <laughs> a whole oh. thing of go fuck yourself. No, no. no. If for every for everybody, I don't know when we're gonna release this, but the next Saturday you're up. It's ten. I think it's ten a.m. Central that I that I typically watch it, or nine nine or ten Central. <laughs> on Saturday on CBS. Check it out. It will blow your fucking mind how ridiculous it is. It's and, uh, and it'll have you come back for more, frankly. What I think we should have is by the way, not two hands on the wheel for this episode. We should have two hands on the mail ballot because we're going to have to be counting them by hand. So okay. let's do that. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. Uh, well, if Aaron hates it, then I must actually like it. So two hands on the mail ballot. Squaw. <laughs> you have to say, go fuck yourself, Aaron, with all speed. <laughs> with oh, all haste. Please, please go fuck yourself. <laughs> there it is. I'm being all right. polite. It's all right. Make sure you buy a I'm stamp. To appeal to your decency. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> go buy a stamp or something.